Recognized nationally for excellence in clinical care, Lord's Health System. It's time for Lord's Health Talk. Here's Melanie Cole. Hospital readmissions after release are widespread, costly, and often avoidable. My guest today is Tracy Lenoza. She's a nurse practitioner with Lord's Health System. So, Tracy, let's start by the prevalence of hospital readmission. If someone's been released from the hospital, tell us about what kinds of conditions would typically send them back to the hospital, whether they've gone home or gone to rehab. So the the biggest uh, uh, problematic uh, diagnosis would be heart failure, um, pneumonia, uh, COPD, and sepsis. Um, sometimes even acute uh, renal problems will send them back to the hospital. Um, those are the top problems that we see um, when the patient's been uh, going home with those diagnoses, and they end up back in the hospital. And that's often at a rate of about uh, 25% of the time if they've gone home. But if they go to a rehab, it can be up between 30 to 40% of the time that they will return to the hospital within the next 30 days. Why? Why are the rates so uh, high? So um, a lot of the times it um, it comes because these patients have a lot of things wrong with them. It's not just that one problem that sends them back to the hospital. Um, when uh, the Centers for uh, Medicare and Medicaid measure this, they uh, do a readmission rate and they base it uh, on the basis of heart failure readmission. But they may have had another problem. Say they went out of the hospital, they were in the hospital for heart failure, and they go back to the hospital because they uh, develop a fever and pneumonia or they fell, and they go back within the 30 days. Any reason they go back, it's called a heart failure readmission. So they could go back home, and for any reason they go back, for frailty, it's within that 30 days. These people tend to not recover very well, so they have problems. And as you age, especially over the age of 65 and older, they take longer to recover. It's not They're not as resilient, so they have issues, so it's harder for them, and they need more time. And I think that in if you think about it, um, 50 years ago, people would go in the hospital and they would stay in the hospital for two or three weeks. Now we tend to get people out of the hospital in two or three days. So it's much easier for them to end up back in the hospital than it was in the past. So then, Tracy, what are some common issues that can arise during transition of patient, whether it's to post-acute care and rehab or if they're going straight home, what, what's involved in the planning policies and what kind of providers are involved? So, Melanie, I'm glad you asked me that. So the biggest problems that we have is that transition time. And usually those readmissions happen in the first seven days, up to like 40% of the time. It's because that transition home is um, it's actually like frightening and problems happen at that time, whether it's um, a, a difficulty um, getting the meds or a confusion in the meds or the family gets nervous when the patient first comes home, or the patient gets nervous when they first go home. Um, it's frightening when they first come home, and, and they can be overwhelmed. So that transitioning home is a, a key point. Um, we try to make sure that those patients get home into their primary care so that any questions that they may have or any concerns they may have can be addressed because they get home and they uh, become afraid. You know, you just came out of the hospital and you have heart failure, or it could be a new diagnosis or an old diagnosis, and there's three new medications, and you have questions, and you're anxious, and you start feeling short of breath. What do you do? You go back to the hospital because you're afraid, and the family's afraid, or you're just not breathing right. 
you just go back to the hospital. It's 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 a safety net or you know a, a fear factor, and that's what ends up happening many many times. And 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 there is only one recourse because people are afraid to just you know stay at home and wonder what's going to happen because as you age, that fear increases. You know that that looming fear of death is there, and they end up there because there's no other way to make sure that nothing's going to happen to them. What an important point that you're making because, you know, as as people get scared about going home and the family members as well. So when someone is transitioning, what are some things you look for to prevent that readmission when they're in the home? Do you educate the families? Do you educate the patient themselves? How is medication adherence involved? Speak about how these providers might help with that. There has been a lot of initiatives uh, put in place to try to address that transition home, especially with the medications. Uh, number one, um, there has been um, blister packing from the pharmacies where the uh, hospital sends the medications to the pharmacy and the medications are put in blister packs where each day are set up where the patient doesn't have to think about what they're taking. They open up blister packs like morning, noon, and night so that there's no confusion about what the medications have to be. Unfortunately, there's an additional cost attached, and some of the patients will decline that type of um, administration help um, because if you're on, you know, five, ten medications, it could become confusing. Um, other initiatives would be that they send a home health nurse to the home to make sure that within 24 hours somebody comes to the home to make sure they reconcile those medications from the hospital and that the family has picked them up from the pharmacy and that they are the correct medications and that there's an understanding and an education piece that takes place in the home. When you're in the hospital and somebody says to you, these are your medications, do you understand them? That ability to understand and learn when you're sitting there and trying to go home is difficult. But when you're back home and you're sitting in your own home and you've had time to rest, you have a more ability to understand and retain the information. So it's better to have it given to you once you're home and you have family members there to help you listen and retain it. So those two things help with the big problem, which is medication administration. The blister packs are a great idea. And is the education in the home, because you're right, people do pay closer attention when they're there in their environment. So what's the importance of follow-up care, like with their primary care provider? You know, are they supposed to, especially if they have a chronic disease like congestive heart failure, are they supposed to really keep track of their primary care provider and see them often because they run to the emergency room if they think something's wrong? Um, CMS, which is the Center for uh, Medicare and Medicaid, has uh, put in uh, an initiative, what's called a transitional care management, and they have actually uh, improved an appointment that's a higher rated and higher billed because they want to encourage patients to see their primary care within three days of going home from a hospital because they know that's an important visit. And that's a higher billed visit because there's so much more information to uh, ingest after a hospitalization. That going home visit has so much more information from the testing and any of the uh, uh, results that have come through for that primary care to share with that patient, for everyone to have an understanding. And now that job for that primary care doctor is to make sure that all of those follow-up visits have been scheduled, are in place, 
and that the patient is going to be guided through whatever has to be done now that they're in the outpatient setting. So that is key, especially if there's more care in a chronic care condition like heart failure, where they're going to need to see their cardiologist or if there's a heart failure clinic they have to attend, or if there's more testing that has to be done. And that is key to make sure that we're not just treating that sickness, but we're pushing them towards prevention of more problems, again, towards preventing the readmission for that same problem. Because unfortunately, in um, our in our healthcare system, we tend to work towards the sickness instead of the prevention or even healthy care instead of sick care. Wow, Tracy, you make so much sense. Now, I'm going to ask you a question you might not have expected, and it's strictly your opinion, but how might you see in the future things like telemedicine help with reducing readmissions? Do you see that as a factor for patients? So I have actually done um, multiple um, uh, investigation in telemedicine. It was part of my doctorate for heart failure because I have my doctorate uh, in nursing, and I did it in uh, heart failure studies, and they found that telemedicine does help, but um, it doesn't actually have the impact that we want unless it's um, combined with the actual eyes on the patient. So um, by that, it means that somebody actually has to be able to follow up and see the patient. It's not enough to just get numbers back on a patient because the patient has to feel like there is somebody that's caring about them. The actual data itself is not helpful. It actually just generates more more uh, uh, visits or uh, unnecessary visits because sometimes we're treating numbers instead of a patient. The patient needs to feel that somebody cares. So even though there is an impact that can be done from uh, a telehealth, it's better that they have a human component in it. So a telemedicine where somebody's calling and talking to them and they see a human being in that exchange, I think has more impact than just, say, uh, a data that's being sent back from like monitoring. Wow, what a great assessment it does. And, 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 you know, it's it's a wonderful explanation, too, of how telemedicine can work and possibly not be as effective. Wrap it up for us, Tracy. You're very, very good at this. I can tell, I can hear your passion and you know what you're talking about. Please tell us what you would like the listeners to know about preventing readmission back to the hospital after they've been released and what education might be available for the families to help promote that self-care and to know before they go to post-acute or rehab or home what you want them to know. I think you said it, uh, Melanie. I think that self-care is the biggest piece, that we have to stop thinking about um, our health care system as sick care, that we have to start taking it upon ourselves to try to be healthy, and that if we can focus on putting the money uh, of our healthcare system into keeping our population as healthy as possible and putting our money into um, nutrition management, diet management, um, measures that keep our patient um, moving, um, that we're going to make the impact that we need. Instead of trying to fix them when they're sick, keeping them healthy is going to be the way of the future because that's what's going to keep them out of the hospital. Such important information and and so well-spoken and beautifully put. Thank you so much, Tracy, for being with us today and sharing your expertise, explaining how we can prevent and reduce 
some of these hospital readmissions. This is Lord's Health Talk. For more information, please visit lordsnet.org. That's lordsnet.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.